Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Okay, hi and welcome to Last Man Standing with me, Paul Stevenson. I hope you've had a a great weekend. Um, Do support uh, Republic Broadcasting Network, where we're live here, and uh, republicbroadcasting.org, because we need your support. Uh, So networks like this can stay on the air and uh, keep free speech alive, uh, because, you know, there are fewer networks these days to actually uh, speak freely, uh, it's particularly bad over here in the UK. You have to be very careful. I think it's generally better, depending on, I suppose, what state you're in there in the United States. But uh, it is pretty uh, tyrannical here with what you can say and what you can't say, and you have to be careful how you say it, I guess, as much as it goes against my grain, and I tend not to. But, uh, yeah, support us uh, here at uh, Republic Broadcasting Network, and uh, I will be uploading this gentleman I'm with today. Uh, I'll be uploading, like I have been with all my recent content, on my Odyssey channel. Uh, because YouTube uh, is absolutely pointless, and uh, there's no, I, don't, I haven't put content up there for a year because they just keep deleting your videos. Um, so my Odyssey channel is Paul Edward Stevenson. So it's very easy to sign up there. I know not everyone, you know, accesses Odyssey like they would on YouTube, but uh, it's easy just to sign up there and, and be able to watch content and subscribe to to channels like mine on Odyssey. So that's Paul Edward Stevenson on Odyssey. All right, okay. I, I'm delighted to say I'm with a gentleman that uh, I've interviewed over the years, going back probably five or six years now on my previous network as well, and that is uh, the one and only E. Michael Jones. Uh, Mike is the editor of Culture Wars magazine. He's a public speaker. He's been prolific on social media as well over the last few years. Uh, he's the author of several books, including uh, Barn Metal and the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, which is a fantastic book. I've got a glad to say I've got a signed copy of it here from Mike. So uh, welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. All right, and as we spoke about off air, we've both been suffering a little bit. You've you've got uh, some sort of cold or whatever, but we concluded that this thing, whether it's COVID or whatever, it's no real. It's not. It's not worse than a cold. It certainly uh, doesn't merit uh, the restructuring of society as we know it. No, and I think that that's precisely what we're seeing now, that uh, this really isn't about medicine. This, is, this has been a, a biological attack on the world's population uh, uh, to uh, basically destroy the last remnants of representative government. That's what this is about. That's how it's being exploited. And uh, we're in the middle of a battle right now, and it could go either way. Yesterday, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States of America uh, basically struck down uh, Biden's uh, vax mandate. Uh, this was a severe blow to Biden. If that had gone through, if it had been approved, it would have meant that uh, 80 million people would have had to get vaccinated. Uh, it didn't go through. The Supreme 
court is always has always represented oligarchic interest uh, throughout the history of the United States of America. And I think that what we're seeing here is the the adults in the room are starting to pull back uh, from what uh, was being exploited uh, by the oligarchs. But uh, there are some people, I think, who are saying uh, a successful parasite uh, cannot kill the host. And this is getting so out of uh, control in certain areas that it is threatening to kill the host. We have a classic example of that in Germany right now. Germany has, because of their their history, because of the fact that they were conquered by the United States and subjected to a ruthless form of social engineering that basically destroyed their culture, uh, the Germans have been very uh, docile, a very docile population because they were made that way by the American occupation forces. And... Uh, they went along with the, they completely ruthlessly suppressed all of the dissent uh, against COVID. And now they woke up and the economy is uh, going into recession because there are so many people who are not working. So many people who are prevented from buying things, from going to restaurants and so on and so forth, that the economy is contracting. Now, I lived I lived in Germany uh, for a number of years in the 1970s. And I remember at the time they were always very aware of uh, economic downturns. There was always the sense that you had to avoid these things at all costs. The Germans at that time created a a safety net for the worker that was really unprecedented, unlike anything that we had in America. Uh, and all of that is now being jeopardized because of this COVID, uh, uh, COVID uh, coup d'etat is what I'm calling it. Basically, the COVID people, the Fauci's of the world, have basically seized control of the government, and now the government is being forced to do their bidding. We're seeing pushback in the United States with the Supreme Court, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen uh, in the rest of the world. Yeah, well, we, we've had some success over here because we, you know, before Christmas they were uh, they brought in their Plan B, which to my mind was always Plan A. Uh, you know, for further restrictions over the Christmas period. But there was, there was a, a reaction in the Conservative Party. Uh, there was a hundred mostly conservative backbench MPs who opposed these, uh, these new measures. And, you know, some of the rhetoric from the politicians w- was, was refreshing. Um, some of them were, you know, absolutely condemning and would be akin to something you might hear on this show where they they warned about, you know, tyranny and they warned about the economic devastation. And, they you know, they warned about the reactions to some extent to, to vaccines. But anyway, there was a hundred of them, which is a significant number in the Conservative Party that pushed back. But England is is unique in the UK because Northern Ireland and Scotland and Wales have have they've tur- they've completely uh, turned into little despotic nations. Uh, they've had all sorts of restrictions. They've had, you know they brought in these vaccine mandates for larger events, and you know apart from you know the general economy, the hospitality sector, pubs, restaurants have really really suffered. And it, it just seems, I mean, we've kind of become numb to it almost now. But I remember back at the start being able to look at the dominoes that would fall from this. And this is audacity on, on a scale that we, we have not witnessed, and in, in, in certainly not in recent history. Um, and and it, 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 the devastation is, is off, the, off the scale. I mean, even just as I say with the, the vaccine 
adverse reactions, which no one really talks about. It certainly doesn't get spoke about on uh, mainstream media. But I, I think it's starting to unravel a little bit. I mean, you see Rand Paul over there challenging Fauci. Um, we we have a lot of pushback on it here now, and it's a shame that you know people weren't wise to it at the start, including the church, which had a very disappointing uh, response to it on the whole. Yeah, the church is uh, really disappointing. It's really disappointing, and uh, I think it's all traceable to the Jesuits. I think the Jesuits now control the Catholic Church, uh, uh, by by which I mean the, the Vatican. They control the the central. Uh, part of the church, and they're using it to basically per, per, pursue an agenda that is uh, anti-Catholic, anti-Catholic. The, the Jesuits are the chaplains of the oligarchs. Jesuit NGOs get money from George Soros. George Soros is one of the major uh, threats to representative government throughout the United States of America. The prosecutors that he has uh, appointed uh, or gotten elected for, with his money have basically gutted criminal prosecution wherever they've been elected. It's been a disaster, and the Jesuits are supportive. They're, they're totally supportive of Soros and all of the rest of the oligarchic agenda. I, I just uh, – I, I, someone I knew – uh, from years back, had appointed, been appointed to the Pontifical Council on Science. His term expired, and he was replaced by Jeffrey Sachs. That is totally the doing of the Jesuits. The Jesuits single-handedly uh, resurrected Jeffrey Sachs from the odium in which he was uh, known for his looting of the Soviet Union, looting of Bolivia, all of these, all of these countries, and rehabilitated this man, and now imposed, they're imposing him on the Catholic Church. This is a disaster. And I, I, again, I don't think we can understand the situation in the Catholic Church unless we understand the condition in Germany. Uh, and the social engineering I just mentioned, and the crucial figure in this regard was uh, Joseph Ratzinger. And what happened during Vatican II has had a devastating effect on the independence, the independent, the independence of the Catholic Church. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one story I will throw in because it, it kind of confused me a little bit. Um, the the current pope has come out and condemned uh, cancel culture, and you know he's been a largely a supporter of a lot of these sort of cultural Marxist uh, ideas, and obviously has put a lot of people off the off the, the, the Catholic Church. But he has said the pope has condemned cancel culture for quote invading many circles and public institutions, and warned that political correctness risks eroding quote all sense of identity in a speech to Vatican-based diplomats. Now, I think when he's talking about institutions that have been, you know, invaded, I, I would have included himself in that uh, with the Catholic Church, the institution of the Catholic Church. But what do you make of that? Because that really kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah, well, at the, same, at, the same, at the same time he did this, it was practically on the same day, he wrote a long letter praising Sister Janine Gramick uh, for her 50 years of work with the New Ways Ministry. New Ways Ministry has been spent 50 years trying to subvert the Catholic teaching on homosexuality. If there's any uh, uh, one thing that is an integral part of what they're calling woke culture or political correctness, it's the it's the um, legitimatizing homosexual behavior. How can you con how can you praise her and then condemn woke culture? It doesn't make any sense. It's a complete, completely incoherent. Now, I <clears throat> this lady uh, was a regular feature at Notre Dame. She'd come there uh, on a regular basis and give a lecture, give her lectures. 
Uh, and well, I attended one of them, and after she spoke, I there was a question period. I said, do you accept the church's teaching on homosexuality? And she said to me, I'm not going to answer that question. Now, how can the Pope praise someone who will uh, publicly, uh, basically, under, certainly publicly say she's not going, she's not going to say whether she follows church teaching, when her actions have deliberately subverted it for 50 years? I can't put these pieces together. You're talking about a man, uh, the Pope, who doesn't seem to act according to principle, or no principle that I can understand. Some people say the best way to understand him is to look at Juan Perón, who was the dictator of Argentina uh, during the uh, Bergoglio's formative years. Uh, I, that may, may, may make some sense, because Perón, you could never pin down Perón as any type of having one type of political agenda or message or something like that. He was all over the place. Uh, and that's the sense I get of Bergoglio. Um, have we seen in the history of the church, have we seen a period uh, like like this uh, where the church is uh, so toothless? I mean, even a little local evangelical church I went to here, um, to my mind, and I, and I brought the guy on, I suppose in fairness to him, I, I brought him on to do a debate about the church's response to COVID and the lockdowns and they, they, he constantly referred, uh, to my mind, disingenuously, ignoring all other texts in the scriptures, uh, to Romans 1. And uh, he's not on his own. Even the um, uh, Peter Masters at the Metropolitan T uh, Tabernacle, one of the great big Reformed churches, uh, used to be Charles Spurgeon's uh, church, uh, down in London in Elfin and Castle, uh, he did a sermon on Titus, I think it's Titus 3, basically said that uh, the church must uh, obey the state in all matters, more or less. Um, and it, it, it's just blind uh, understanding of the text that we must obey the authorities. And, and I brought him on and I, and I exposed all the other texts that said that basically, the, you know, the, the church should only obey the state when the state's behaving itself. And it should be, you know, dealing with matters of law and order. And, and it's not a public, it's not, you know, a matter for the state to be dealing with our public health. But what what do you uh, ascribe the current state of the church to? Because it seems aberrant, doesn't it? Uh, it both the Catholic Church and even in the history of Protestantism, that the church is so weak. What's causing this? Well, in terms of the Protestant churches, the cause is the Reformation. There's no question. So, uh, especially in England, certainly in England, the Reformation had no theological basis whatsoever. It was a looting operation, pure and simple. The minor aristocracy the land, wanted the land that the church owned. It was that simple, and they looted the monasteries, and, uh, and that was that. And then they came, uh, tried to come up with some type of theological justification after the fact. But uh, R.H. Tawney said that... Uh, the uh, aristocrats had their teeth in the carcass, and they weren't going to be whipped off by a sermon. And that pretty much epitomizes the Reformation, certainly in England. But the Reformation, across the board, was all based on the same deal. So basically, uh, we will steal church property, we the aristocrats will steal church property, and we'll set you up in a kind of comfortable life if you agree to do what we say as part of a state church. So as soon as you have a state church, it's going to be completely docile to the king. Well, in England, isn't the isn't the queen the head of the church? 
so obviously you're not going to find any resistance there. This completely goes flies in the face of the entire history of the Catholic Church uh, in Europe, which was constantly a battle between the uh, the papacy and the and the emperor, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. They were constantly going back and forth, uh, fighting with each other battling over who had the power to appoint bishops and things like that. That's been the legacy of the Catholic Church. Always had this independence until now. Uh, until now. And I think that part of the... So we had periods like the time of the, the church at the time of the French Revolution where the church was completely incapable of dealing with what was going on. And large numbers of the clergy simply went along with whatever the French Revolution told them to do. There's a picture of the clergy all lining up to get married. A line of nuns on one side, a line of clergy. They're all going to get married because the church told them to get married. That was uh, a disastrous situation for the church at that point. And over the course of the 19th century, the, the church basically rallied uh, largely uh, around uh, the foundation of Civilta Cattolica and uh, the the papacy of uh, uh, Pope Leo XIII, where they rallied and, and restored, basically put the church's philosophy on sound footing when it adopted Thomism as the official philosophy of the church. So now you had a sound metaphysical foundation uh, that would, could allow you to deal with the problems of the world, and that's precisely what they tried to do. Civilta Cattolica was created to comment on the revolutions that were happening in Europe at the time. It was this time of strength that went all the way up, I would say, to Karol Wojtyla, uh, a man who uh, certainly had a mind of his own, certainly had a clear sense of the direction the church should take, but wanted certain political outcomes, and he basically got involved with the American anti-communist crusade, and as a result had to make certain compromises. That uh, had a disastrous effect on the church. It had already been a problem here with the Jesuits, for example. During the 1950s, the Catholic Church uh, supported uh, the anti-communist crusade run by the CIA uh, because, well, communism is bad. Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, that doesn't mean that the people you're jumping in bed with are going to be good people. And so over that period of time, the the state gradually uh, encroached more and more over the running of the church. Uh, Wojtyla understood what was going on. He wanted the outcomes. He was willing to eat with the devil, uh, and he had a long spoon. Uh, uh, but he was, I think, bitter at the end of his life because of what the Americans did to Poland, wrecking Polish culture, promoting abortion, that type of thing. Uh, and then Ratzinger came in to continue the tradition of Wojtyla, uh, but as I said, he was, I think he was damaged. I think he was damaged by uh, American social engineering after World War II. This was absolutely ruthless what got imposed on the German people. We have no idea because nobody over here is going to talk about it. Uh, but basically, you had a situation where uh, the Germany is conquered and the man who's running the show is a Jew by the name of Morgenthau, who's the Secretary of Treasury, and he's determined to starve the Germans to death. Genocide. We're talking about genocide, pure and simple, and a horde of Jews went over to implement it. A lot of Jews who left Germany during the 30s went back in the late 40s, and 75% of the staff on the Nuremberg War Crimes Tribunal were Jews. 
They were there to inflict vengeance on the German people. And at a certain point, their vengeance got so, it'd be so draconian that the Americans, the adults in the room just said, wait a minute, this is going too far. One of the main people who had a change of heart was General George Patton, who wrote lots of stories about uh, letters to his wife. Uh, he, Look, he could see he was governor of one of the sections of Germany, and he could see what the Jews were doing there, just treating, miserably mistreating the German people. He didn't think it was fair. He was he he was sick of dealing with politicians like uh, General Eisenhower. He decided he was going to resign, not going to put up with this, not going to retire. I'm going to resign so you don't have any hold over me. I'm going back to America, and I'm going to run for political office. And at that point, uh, he died. I think he was murdered. I think they understood that he posed a significant threat to this Jewish hegemony over Germany. Well, Ratzinger was 20 years old when uh, Morgenthau was starving the Germans to death. He could not know. He was in the seminary. They had a private source of food there. He's out in the country. So he wasn't suffering in the way that, say, he would have been if he were in Munich at that time. But he knew what was going on, and he had to make a separate peace. And that separate peace with American social engineering entered the church at Vatican II when he basically took over Vatican II, took it out of the hands of Cardinal Ottaviani. And we've been suffering as a result to this day. And so if you're going to talk about synodality uh, in the hands of Bergoglio and the Jesuits, it's just another way of destroying the hierarchical nature of the church and imposing a kind of uh, oligarchic hegemony on the people, the Catholic people. Okay. All right. We, we, you, you, you mentioned that it can go either way with this whole COVID thing. And I, I suggested that maybe, you know, their, the, the narrative is, is falling apart to some extent because there, there has been a lot of people of, you know, who have raised their eyebrows now because it, it's like there's more vaccines than, than Rocky movies. And uh, there's even, you know, reports of, uh, I, I think I saw it in Bloomberg where there was a physician or something warned about, you know, these vaccines can have a adverse reaction or a sort of a, a compromising of your immune system. There's very little talk about the uh, the vaccine adverse reaction uh, studies, which which reveal that's a horror show looking at that. That's available. Um, there's, there's a huge amount of deaths. There's a lot of myocarditis in young people. There's a lot of... Uh, other symptoms like tinnitus, and, and this is not reported. And of course, these vaccine companies have immunity. I know this is a very general question, but th there is a restructuring of society basically going on as a result of a cold, uh, more or less. That you know that you've experienced and I've experienced. I mean, this uh, Omicron thing is very mild. Um, what do you? Th what what what's the end game and 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 who's driving it? Who who's who who wants to benefit? Obviously, we've got the uh, pharmaceutical companies who are making a huge amount of money, um, but who's pulling the strings? For example, of Fauci, who pretty much embodies this this whole thing. I, I think uh, the crucial link between Fauci and the 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 big players is Bill Gates. Bill Gates got out of computers, took that money and invested it in medicine, what was he was calling medicine. He got that right from the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers did exactly the same thing at the turn, at the beginning of the 20th century. 
And what they realize is you can have incredible control over society if you can control the medicine. Because you're always hiding behind science. And that's an easy way to intervene and involve yourself in social engineering. So if we're talking about who's – so Fauci uh, is the, the figurehead here who stands for Big Pharma. But Big Pharma is linked to – uh, the oligarchs, because the oligarchs will invest their money in Big Pharma, and they're making huge returns now on their investment because basically all the governments in the world have to buy their their products at their prices that they set. So, uh, who, who are we talking about? Well, Klaus Klaus Schwab is there Jewish involvement the in this as well? Klaus Schwab is a Jew. Right, okay. Uh, Albert Borla is the head of Pfizer. He's a Jew. Uh, Rachel Walensky, the head of the CDC, she's a Jew. So they're, they are ad- administering this whole thing. Uh, they are a crucial part of the whole oligarchic agenda. And the whole oligarchic agenda uh, simply has been using, has been using uh, ecology or concern for the environment as the thin end of their wedge of basically uh, doing the same thing, namely abolishing uh, representative government, abolishing... Uh, the rights that we uh, learn to take for granted, like the right for travel, for example. So we had uh, Greta Thunberg uh, talking about, you know, she's not going to fly on an airplane. So some Rothschild lends her her yacht. And then her <laughs> the guys who sailed the yacht had to fly back on airplanes anyway. And uh, But now, to, just to show you the hypocrisy of the whole thing, the uh, EU has just issued guidelines, carbon guidelines, uh, about uh, planes and ships. Well, uh, guess what? Private jets are not going to be taxed according to the use of carbon. Uh, well, wait a minute. They're one of the biggest polluters in the world. Oh, well, they're all owned by rich people, and the rich people are used, have used it. This is a cynical exploitation of people's concern about ecology as a way of just pursuing their agenda. Same thing with yachts. There's going to be all kinds of uh, uh, regulations imposed on shipping, but... Yachts are exempt because they're below. They just cut the line off, but blow at a certain agenda. This makes it perfectly clear what's going on here. This is not about medicine. This is about control. And the people who are in charge are always trying to be invisible, but it's always the same group of people. It's the people who have all of the assets, the people who buy up most of the stock in companies like Pfizer, the people who make money hand over fist by lending money through usury. It's always the same people, and they've always been annoyed at the fact that uh, poor people can have children. It really annoys the hell out of them. Uh, that poor people now I think there's a concerted effort to abolish air travel because they don't care they have private airlines private airlines and I happen to know a pilot on one of these private airlines and he just told me that the the big uh, big the big guy that he's going to take on like one plane will carry one guy across the Atlantic the big guy who uh, is going to be flying specified that he wants an unvaccinated pilot what does that tell you
are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Did you know that you can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the Internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting PatriotInternet.com. For about $2 per month, PatriotInternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass filters, block sites, and keyword blocking. You can also bypass logging by your router and your ISP. With PatriotInternet.com, there is no software to install and uses 128-bit encryption for your protection. When using wireless hotspots, PatriotInternet.com shields your information from identity thieves and is compatible with Windows, Mac, and Linux. Protect your identity and your freedom with anonymous Internet access from PatriotInternet.com. Visit PatriotInternet.com today. Extendivite 7 Herb Formulation is approved to help maintain cardiovascular health and help lower blood lipid levels in adults. Extendivite is made from hawthorn, garlic, valerian, cayenne, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, and milk thistle. The herbs at Extendivite have been chosen for their ability to help with overall health. Many people have reported improved energy and stamina in just a few months. If you think you could feel just a little bit better, then Extendivite may just be for you. Extendivite is an all-natural supplement. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. What does that tell you? <laughs>
He it tells you that he doesn't want this guy dropping dead of a stroke while he's flying his airline because you've got a good chance, if you're vaccinated, of dying of a stroke. Yeah. Well, the thing over... Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, well, the big story over here at the minute, and, you know, there's calls for the resignation of Boris Johnson over it, is that last May when we were, you know, put into lockdown and I think it was May last year, or was it May 2020, one of the two, where, you know, the British public had all sorts of constraints on their freedoms and what they could do and who they could do it with, etc. And on the same day that one of these announcements about, you know, that what we can't do and how we should, uh, you know, keep distance from people and stay at home and, you know, all the rest of it, that they were having a party. Uh, this is the second party that that uh, that emerged that the government and people in Ten Downing Street were having. Uh, all the while, the British public were you know making tremendous sacrifices, and you hear a lot of horror stories: people who weren't able to see their dying mother or their dying sister or whatever, um, and all this type of thing. So there's there's a lot of pressure on on Boris Johnson to resign. But of course, what it actually shows which is what any any of us with any kind of sagacity uh, around this whole issue right from the start, is that, you know, it's not so much, I don't think, from my point of view, as I say, we, we kind of knew this from the start, that they were having a party, you know, whatever. But what it does reveal, of course, is that they weren't scared. <laughs> you know, what do they know that we don't know, or the British public didn't know? I mean, the British public, like a lot of the publics around the world, are very naive to a lot of things, and uh, they, they just lockstep, obey whatever they're told to do. But it revealed that they weren't scared. You know, they were having a party. They weren't social distancing. They were all mingling and uh, doing what they do. So um, that's the biggest takeaway from it, which really just confirms what, what people like ourselves have been saying right from the start, that this thing uh, is not, you know, some, it's not like the, uh, the, the black, you know, black death or something which is really horrendous, and it reveals that they weren't scared. And I think that's the the biggest problem for the government. It's just blown that whole narrative uh, out of the water that this thing is so so terrifying. You know? Yeah. Did you see the press conference where yeah, uh, well, the, the lady? I forget the lady. She got fired right after she did this. But it was yeah, they were really, laughing. Yeah. Yeah, they were. It was like an inside joke. Yeah, it was yeah. like the reporters are pressing her, and she's kind of winking at the reporters. And I couldn't see what the reporters were doing, but they're probably winking back at her. And it's like we we all know that this is a charade that the people in power don't really care. This is for people who are stupid and don't know really what was going on. It was obvious from the way she was was behaving. Well, that it's yeah. true. She was right. It is it is an oligarchic coup d'état. It is a coup d'état. A certain group of people, a very small group of people, seizes control of the government, and then the government starts acting according to their bidding. It's exactly what this is. It was a medical coup d'etat. And Fauci is the dictator now. Fauci is the dictator, and uh, uh, nobody can seem to deprive this man of his power. Uh, you have people like Senator Rand Paul, uh, uh, trying to stand up to him, trying to ask questions. Ted Cruz, to his credit, tried to do this to some extent. And he just laughs at these people. Like, who who do you think you are? You're just a senator. I'm, I'm the head of this big medical operation, and I have absolute power, and you better do what I say. That's the attitude this guy has. Now, how long is that going to last? I'm, I'm saying that the Supreme Court decision was a step in the opposite direction. 
It was an, astemp- an attempt to basically take that governmental power, that medical uh, t- t- tyranny, that medical technocracy, take, deprive them of the linkage that cr- uh, implements it politically by striking down the, the mandates that Biden created. You can't use, you just, you guys cannot hijack the government anymore. That's what you've been doing. We know what you're doing. You can't do it. Now, of course, it's, it was a mixed decision because you've always got these conservatives who always back down. They'll take two steps forward and one step back. And that was the second decision where they did approve mandates for, for Medicare. But, uh, people who receive funds for Medicare. But, uh, I mean, okay, so let's be thankful for small favors. Yeah. Well, you know, I watched the clips with uh, Rand Paul and, and, and Fauci, and uh, it's amazing how the, the, the hubris of Fauci, because, you know, he, he, he basically tries to say that Rand Paul is distorting and, and that he's a liar. All the while, he's just quoting emails which, which you know, expose exactly the corruption. I mean, this guy has no shame at all, and he just really, it doesn't matter what's thrown at him, he just seems to continue and survive. Uh, obviously, Rand Paul wants the guy to be... Uh, I think Ron Paul wants him arrested, really. He should be arrested. He should be arrested. There certainly should be some type of congressional investigation here. But at the same time that that should be happening, we're having this political theater about January 6th, which is completely preposterous, completely made up. Okay, the crucial crucial moment came when it was, uh, I think it was Ted Cruz, asking the lady who's the head of the FBI, where have... FBI agents involved in the uh, January 6th uh, uh, rioting or whatever, incursion into the Capitol. She said, I can't answer that question. Of course they were involved. This was an inside job. It was to lure people in to distract uh, the uh, Congress from actually counting the ballots. That got completely disrupted, and now we're turned. that's being turned into the 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 questions about the legitimacy of the government are now being turned into conspiracy theories that are being attributed to Donald Trump, who had every right to be suspicious of the outcome of that election. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, as you say, the whole thing was just completely made up. Um, and now you've got the... You've got this uh, anti-terrorist uh, narrative, domestic terrorism. That that really seems to be a trend where you're seeing this, uh, these the FBI and others now uh, using anti-terrorist uh, narratives and, and laws to basically clamp down on anyone who disagrees with the government. Right. Well, well the, the Democrats even, basically even even to mothers who are upset about books in the yeah. school library, they yeah. are declared Merrick Garland. Uh, 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 a Jew who has that bad habit of Jews of basically holding the majority population in contempt as simply stupid goyim orchestrates this campaign with the uh, head of the uh, uh, education uh, whatever uh, where we're going to tell now uh, declare that any mother who questions books about promoting sodomy or pedophilia is a domestic terrorist mm. What kind of people are these? Why are people like this in charge of the government? They don't, they hate the American people. They hate them. They consider them all, uh, potential terrorists. If you disagree with the narrative, you're a terrorist. This is a terrible situation. 
This is yeah, precisely the battle that's going on. Why do why is the government uh why does the government uh why do government officials like this hate the American people? Well, one of the reasons is a lot of it has to do with sexual deviance. A lot of them are homosexuals who hate straight people. A lot of it has to be do with uh, being Jewish and you're trained to hold the goyim in contempt, even when you ho- occupy high office. Okay. And the other thing is you put a combination of those two things together and you've got a really toxic mix. Like somebody like, uh, the, just the DA in, uh, in Michigan, the state of Michigan. The other thing that these people have in common is Soros money. They get elected with Soros money, a Jew who's trying to use that money to subvert the democratic institutions of the countries that are important to him. You put this together, it's toxic. It's a bad situation. And how? Uh, the question is, is anyone going to wake up to it and try to do something about it? Yeah, just to sort of encapsulate this in a quote, uh, Matthew Olson, Assistant Attorney General for National Security, said during a Senate hearing on Tuesday that the unit will be composed of dedicated attorneys who will help, quote, ensure that these cases are properly handled and effectively coordinated across the DOJ and around the country. We have seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extreme anti-government and anti-authority ideologies, Olson said before the Senate Judiciary Committee. So basically, the, the anybody who has a... You know, who, who dissents, uh, are now not, uh, you know, people who have a different view or, uh, people who are even a threat to, you know, the, the in politics, but they're actually terrorists and, uh, gonna be, you know, diagnosed as terrorists and, uh, anybody with extreme anti-government and anti-authority ideologies now are on the, uh, terrorist list as well, it seems. This goes right back to the Cheka. The Cheka was the extraordinary committee to combat uh, terrorism and counter-revolution. It was created one month, one month after the November 1917 revolution in Russia. One month later. So the government, the Soviet regime, was immediately uh, turned into a terrorist operation that would demonize anybody who disagreed with their murderous policies as a terrorist or a counter-revolutionary. Now... That was that was run by Jews. Absolutely. Everybody knows this. Saron, Salo Baron is a Jewish historian. He said, yeah, it, the Cheka was a Jewish operation because Russians would not torture other Russians. They were Christians. They, they just couldn't bring themselves to do that. But Jews had no problem torturing Russians or murdering them with a bullet to the back of the head. Uh, they, because they have been trained to hate the people that had allowed them to live in their country. The only exception, there were, there were a lot of Latvians there, too. But it had to be foreigners, you know. And so you've got the same situation now where you've got this group of people who were never had any type, who never had any type of allegiance to America as America, but only as a place where they could take advantage of the situation. Now, uh, in positions of power where they view the American citizens as terrorists and criminals. And, and the, me- the mechanism of government, like the FBI, is now being put to the service of these people to prosecute American citizens. Exactly what happened with the Cheka. Exactly yeah. what happened with the Cheka. Yeah. By the way, you mentioned George Soros there, and you're, you're seeing, let's just say that that these parasites, 
eventually do completely destroy America and suck the last little bit of uh, lifeblood out of the uh, out of the country. Um, you're seeing increasing anti-China uh, rhetoric, and you, you hear it over here from people like Nigel Farage, and it's always China, China, China. Um, these oligarchs that were these Jewish uh, oligarchs that we're talking about, they they would have problems infiltrating China uh, like they have the West, I believe. China, this, I don't know where you saw this story, but uh, I found it fascinating. Um, China has officially declared far-left billionaire George Soros a global terrorist, quote, the Chinese Communist Party made the announcement in China's government-controlled state media where it labeled uh, Soros the son of Satan. Um, I don't think they'll have their way with China the way they've had it with the United States and the West. Well, I mean... <laughs> There is the story of Sidney Rittenberg. Sidney Rittenberg was a Jew from South Carolina, joined the army uh, and learned Chinese. Uh, was over there stationed as uh, a kind of intelligence officer. And uh, at a certain point, when the Chinese took, a uh, communist took over, when Mao Zedong took over, he said, well, they're my boys, because he was a communist, because he was a Jew. It was just a common thing at that point. And so at that point, Rittenberg... Uh, got an offer from the Chinese government, and he jumped ship. He started working for the Chinese communists. Not only did he start working for them, he ended up being basically one of the main leaders of the Cultural Revolution in 1966. You can Google a picture, and there he is with his Mao uniform on, with his little red book, and he's talking to 100,000 Chinese. I, it's an amazing story, absolutely amazing story. Uh, uh, an incredible story, and I've always used it as an example of, you know, sure, if you learn the language, you can become a Chinaman. And so forget about this biological stuff. The main thing is logos. The main thing is language. He's proof of it. These white boys will tell me, uh, can, a, can an African become a Pole? And I'll say, well, can a Jew become a Chinaman? Have you ever heard of Sidney Rittenberg? Anyway, so no, they can be taken over. The vehicle, uh, the thing that allowed that was basically communism. Oh, Mike, don't tell me that. I was kind of, uh, I, I took, I took uh, encouragement from that story. I thought, you know, if these people will, will have more problems. I mean, can you really see China though embracing the sort of degeneracy and, and the, the homosexuality that we've seen? Okay, you know, China is, is, I mean, it's not a communist state in the way it used to be. Um, Not in the way it used to be. No, it's the worst of both worlds, thanks to Milton Friedman, who told went there in 76 and told the Chinese oligarchs how to loot their own country. The Communist Party officials then became the children of the Communist Party officials then became billionaires and oligarchs. So you got the worst of both worlds there. You got political communism, uh, 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 communism as the political uh, operating system, and you got capitalism as the economic system. Worst of both worlds. You know, slave labor, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, now, but you... That being said, they are there are people there who understand what's going on. So they're basically retooling. They're not going to compete to be the lowest wage, the low wage capital of the world. They're increasing wages. But it still has that weird uh, kind of mixture. There's still this yeah, kind of Jewish Marxism as part of the mix there. I know, but, but can you, just from a moral point of view, can you? Can you, I? I don't know if I can see China embracing the type of cultural Marxist type stuff, the the the, the counterintuitive, uh, you know, to their own people. I'm okay. There, there's tyranny there, and there's there's restrictions, etc. But you know, we're we're heading that way anyway with this under the guise of this public health issue. We've seen all sorts of liberties being restricted, but we also have 
gay marriage and the homosexuality movement and feminism and all this type of stuff that that, that China I, I would struggle to see embracing in, in the way that the West has uh, embraced this this uh, degeneracy, you know. No, that's because it's because written. it's not good for the Chinese people, you know. No, and, it's and not. Sure it doesn't matter. They don't care whether it's good for the people of the country they live in. It's was it good for the Jews? That's the only question they ask. And so the the difference here is that Senator Sidney Rittenberg was one guy, an extraordinary guy, but one guy, and you don't have this huge cadre of people uh, taking over your institutions, which is what you have in the United States of America. Harvard University is now a Jewish university. It was taken over by the Jews. Yeah, there was yeah, a cool. time when Harvard had quotas for Jews, and that was such an awful thing. We have to strike down the quotas. Well, strike down the quotas, and they'll take over. And they took over by cheating on the SAT test. So that's the problem. That's the problem we have in America. It is the, the control they have is so widespread that how do you get people out, out of these, get these, pry these, their fingers off the steering wheel? The guy, the, the Jew who was just convicted, uh, Charles Lieber, uh, at Harvard, head of the, I believe, the chemistry department, uh, was in bed with the Chinese government. He was getting $50,000 a month under the table payments to basically smuggle uh, American secrets to China. That's the type of actual subversion that's going on right now. Okay, all right, listen, we've got three minutes left. Just if you can, just to wrap up, just uh, give us uh, what you see uh, the trends for, you know, the rest of the year. How do you see things playing out? Um, and also let people know where you're, uh, where they can find your work. Obviously, Culture Wars magazine. Are you, you're on Odyssey because yes. your, YouTube, your YouTube channel was deleted, right? Right, yes. But we're on Odyssey and we're on BitChute and Rumble, too. But uh, okay. the best best thing, go to fidelitypress.org, and everything we talked about is in much better, coherent, uh, organized form in the books that I've written. And you get to you'll understand the principles that will allow you to make sense out of the world as it careens off the cliff. So what's the final word? Motus in fine velocior. Things always accelerate at the end. Things are going faster and faster. This can't go on for the long haul. It's going to be resolved. Uh, this year, one way or the other. Yeah, there is uh, there is that sort of desire, I suppose that you could call it, to to eminentize the uh, the eschaton. There seems to be that kind of uh, atmosphere at the moment that this is going to reach ahead at some point, and uh, for for good or ill. I think so. Yeah, it'll probably be a good thing um, because it can't continue the way it's continuing. Something has to snap and give, you know. God is in charge of human history. No, I firmly believe it. Actually, it was a really good book was referred to me by uh, a guy called Andrew Joyce. It's called The Orthodoxy and, and the Kingdom of Satan, Father Spiridion Bailey. Have you read that book? Do you know that book? No, I haven't, no. That's no, a really good book. It, it, it covers so much, um, including the ecumeni ecumeni ecumenism. Is that the right way to pronounce that? Ecumenism. Um, yeah, and it's got Zionism in there and uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and uh, all sorts of stuff in there, the United Nations. Anyway, okay, Mike, it was great to speak to you again. Um, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. And uh, it's probably, what, six months since we last did a show. I'll try and not leave it as long the next time. But what what is your Odyssey channel? Is it just E. Michael Jones? What is our Odyssey channel? Um, it's, yeah, E. Michael Jones. E. Michael Jones, that's right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Mike, for, for, for coming on. And, 
and thank you all our listeners here tonight and I hope you all have a great week and I'll be back again next Sunday same time that's 9pm Central Time 10pm Eastern Standard Time until then take care and God bless okay
Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748, 855-the-number-3748.